This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, June 15th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. For fans and opponents of ESG, environmental, social, and governance goals built into investing and corporate management, the term's taken on many different meanings. So when policymakers decide to enshrine or prohibit ESG investing, the details matter for taxpayers, pensioners, and everyone else. Cato's Jennifer Schulp explains. State government officials have, at least you know, in my uh, examining of this issue, just from headlines, the issue of ESG, environmental, social, and governance goals that are, uh, if you listen to the right, are taking over. Uh, the ability of people to make good investments and sort of compromising corporate America uh, for the purpose of meeting these goals as nebulous as they they might be. How do you evaluate the sort of state level push by certain officials to grab onto this issue and uh, make political hay out of it? Look, the state level goals, I think I think you're right. They're they're looking to make political hay. And I think before we jump in to talk about where they're headed, I want to take a step back and talk a little bit about ESG and what that means and what it might not mean. Um, because I think as you just characterized it, if you listen to the right, it's doing something. Well, if you listen to the left, it's doing something else. Um, and the fact of the matter is that ESG does a lot of things depending on how you're using the term. And a really important split in talking about ESG is talking about the distinction between value and values investing. Value investing is essentially taking ESG factors, so environmental factors or social factors, and determining whether or not those factors have a risk, a material impact on the risk return of a particular investment. There's not a lot new about that concept. Um, and it doesn't mean that it's particularly easy to figure out if an environmental factor is material. But what it does mean is that it doesn't make a lot of sense to do kind of a blanket prohibition or a blanket requirement on whether or not someone can look at those factors and evaluating an investment. Values investment, on the other hand, is kind of what we would refer to as impact investing, where the purpose of making an investment is to have some sort of value-driven outcome that's different from looking for a financial return. So it's investing to save the turtles or... And that socially responsible investing, as it is, uh, has been termed, as it was termed not that many years ago, uh, the sort of implicit trade-off that you make there is that you understand that quite possibly your returns might be lower because you're making a decision to invest in something that uh, is going to deliver broader goals, social goals that you, while you might agree with and, and these goals are aligned with your uh, ideological commitments, you understand that the returns might be lower. Exactly. And that concept isn't really new um, either. The concept of ESG it can be traced back to a to a UN report earlier in the 21st century, it was 2003, 2004, I think. 
But it's taking older concepts of impact investing, socially responsible investing, and talking about putting your money to work to create a values-driven outcome. And when we talk about ESG, particularly the state-level politicians, but really the politicians in the U.S. generally, they tend to conflate value and values in order to paint ESG with this, this broad brush. Um, if you're a state level politician on the right, uh, right now you tend to talk a big game about getting rid of all ESG. Um, with no distinction between value or values. If you're a state level politician on the left, you tend to talk about forcing ESG. Um, again, with little distinction between value or values. And that distinction is really important and kind of drives why blanket prohibitions on looking at ESG, like we're seeing being pushed at the state level by a lot of Republican politicians, are not a good idea um, and have a real potential to harm taxpayers, pensioners, and others who the government is that's making decisions on behalf of. So when uh, folks on the right and left sort of fail to make the distinctions regarding ESG, uh, as you said at the outset, it's important to understand what ESG is and uh, what it is not. And when it comes to evaluating investment opportunities, that the state government, and if we accept even the notion that state governments ought to be broadly involved in uh, investing anyway, uh, which I, I don't know if you do, but I generally would think that I want my local state officials to be as far away from investing as possible when it comes to uh, uh, pensioners or anyone else. Um, you, you know, ESG means means uh, whatever it needs to mean for. Uh, certain people who might be talking about it. And it is it is uh, at least a level away. It is a level of attenuation away from the the thing that these people have a may have a responsibility to engage in, which is investing for good return and relatively low risk for people. And though the 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 fact that ESG may be uh, a part of of some companies, um, stated purpose, well, that doesn't necessarily speak to that at all. No, it, and it doesn't speak to what their return's going to be. In fact, when we're talking specifically about pensions, um, pensions, pension administrators have fiduciary duties to ensure that they're acting in the benefit, at the benefit of those who are in the pension. Um, so they're focused quote unquote, under the federal law with an eye single towards those pension beneficiaries. And that by itself usually takes out investment in values-based ESG because values-based ESG sacrifices returns for some other outcome. And it's important to note that that state pension plans already have these fiduciary duties and are subject to those duties in making decisions about how to invest their money. 
so we've seen in a couple of circumstances where state politicians have been talking a big game about getting rid of ESG investing, we've seen some state pensions, um, the pension administrators step up and say, well, you can talk a big game all you want, but we're going to invest according to our fiduciary duties. And if that requires us to analyze climate change in connection with some investments to see what their return is going to be, we're going to do that. And we've also seen in circumstances where there have been laws proposed that would prevent ESG investing. We've seen state pension plans step up and say, if you were going to prohibit me from looking at factors as a blanket rule, that is going to have real economic consequences on the ability of my pension plan to make financial returns. Um, and I think that's fair. Uh, these kind of blanket prohibitions don't allow pension fiduciaries to exercise their own fiduciary responsibilities that are subject to a whole host of other requirements um, that are supposed to be meant to allow the fiduciaries to make decisions to help the plans to grow. Because ESG in its current form, oh, uh, you know, it means what uh, whoever's talking about it intends it to mean and not doesn't necessarily translate to uh, a broad audience. That is to say, it's just not clear when you say ESG that you're talking about a specific thing. Is there anything that states ought to do on behalf of the people for whom they may be investing that with respect to ESG that you can say with some confidence, well, that's probably a good policy. It's probably a good idea to do X or Y. You know, it's tough because ESG means a lot of different things. But I think that there's a couple of places where states should focus if they're interested in doing something. One is ensuring that the pension fiduciaries are living up to their fiduciary duties. Um, and, you know, state attorneys generals, depending on the state, the state, I suppose, pension authorities in the states can examine to make sure that those pension fiduciaries are meeting those duties. We've also seen private litigation that's gone after pension fiduciaries for failing to meet their standards where they've made decisions to divest from, say, ESG unfriendly investments. There was a recent lawsuit in New York um, challenging some um, pension fiduciaries for having divested from fossil fuels, saying that that was not a prudent decision because fossil fuels were returning good money. Uh, so there's, there's options on the pension fiduciary front. And I think it's also important to make sure that kind of an asset manager is meeting his own or its own fiduciary duties to the ultimate holders of the investment. Um, so ensuring that an investment is being invested according to the guidelines that the uh, asset manager is put out, but also making sure that the asset manager is voting proxies in a way that the beneficial owners of the investment are interested in having them voted. Um, that issue is actually being taken care of in some ways by, by the private markets, where some of the larger asset managers have started moving voting decisions on proxy issues down to the beneficial owners. 
So I suspect some of the states are going to have their own ability to vote the BlackRock proxy the way they'd like to um, in the coming years, or the State Street proxy in the way that they would like to, as opposed to just relying on BlackRock to get it right. But say those are the two places that I think are worth focusing on in terms of ensuring that the ultimate beneficiary, so the pensioner or the, the holder of the investment, is having their agent follow their orders properly. Um, but none of that comes with kind of a blanket prohibition on doing ESG um, or a blanket requirement to do ESG. Uh, in fact, I'd, I'd equate the two and that both of them are trying to impose kind of an ideological screen on financial decision making. And by having that sort of screen, you you don't have the full set of options in front of you anymore. And that's a difficult way to make a decision on investing when your decision making is constrained that way. It, it doesn't and, lend to optimal outcomes. And to the extent that the government officials, electeds, uh, uh, are making decisions about uh, the kinds of firms that the state will be dealing with, I can imagine that there that opens up opportunities potentially for some sort of, uh, let's say, playing favorites uh, with uh, industries that may be important to your state uh, to say, oh, well, we can't deal with this firm because they don't like this industry in our state or uh, require or strongly encourage fiduciaries to uh, engage with this firm and not that firm, and none of that uh, necessarily redounds to the benefit of the people for whom these investments are being made. No, absolutely not. And in fact, we've seen some research looking at Texas, who has a number of these bans in place. Um, Texas has a, a blacklist of sorts uh, that does not allow uh, municipal entities to engage with firms that Texas has found to be boycotting the fossil fuel industry. And research showed that this, this ban, this boycott, uh, increase costs for municipal borrowing um, because a lot of firms just left the Texas market. So what's happening is kind of a, a trade-off in Texas where the fossil fuel industry is being supported by the government, but you know the costs of maybe building a schoolhouse in a small municipality are going to be more expensive. So there's a lot of trade-offs that happen in this space that aren't recognized in the broader rhetoric of ESG good or ESG bad. We must force, <laughs> we must force um, the government to make decisions according to a certain ideology. Um, and that just doesn't make a lot of sense. Jennifer Schulp directs financial regulation studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 